That's a blessing. Who will be that man? You can be that man. You can be that lady. Follows God, and it goes honestly with the message this morning. There's a way to do that. There's a way to do that. So, Psalms chapter 1. I got saved when I was eight years old, and my grandmother, Lord, I'd not gone to church very often, but I remember the, the preacher talking something about, about hell, and honestly, it scared me. And the Bible says you save some with fire, and that, that's what it was. So I got scared of hell. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed to be saved. I got saved when I was eight years old. I didn't start going to church till I was 16, 17, right around there, uh, a sophomore in high school. And I remember the difference in, in going to church when I was eight years old and hearing uh, the preacher preach. I didn't want to go into Sunday school because I was too shy, too scared. Those kids were mean. You know, the nice little church kids. So it was, uh, it was Andrew Patton. So, yep. Yeah, was, he was in my class. So explains it. Um, so the, uh, didn't want to do that. And grandma would sit next to grandma and just eat, uh, eat butterscotch discs because that's the, the choice of church people is butterscotch discs. You guys choose the loudest candy wrappers in the history of the planet to eat in church. And then, and then it's not just popping in. It's you got to move it around and clack it against your teeth. It's wonderful. It's part of church. But I'd sit there and do that or eat, uh, uh, you know, spearmint, the double mint gum, the green one, and uh, make paper airplanes out of the, the gum wrappers. And, and that, was, that was church when I was eight. But I remember going back to church when I was 16. My grandma kind of tricked me into going back to church. Uh, she said that she had to go off and grand, she, he, she had to go visit her sister who was dying and that grandpa needed someone to go with him. He's a grown man. He doesn't need anybody to go with him. So Grandma Lyon got me into church. And, but I remember sitting there for the first time and understanding what the preacher was saying. And then I remember the first time I opened my Bible to read it and try to get something of it. And I turned to Psalms 1. And reading this, this chapter, this is a chapter that I remember reading for the first time and understanding the Word of God. So Psalms chapter 1 is what we're going to be looking at this morning, and I got in a fight with my wife on the way to church this morning <clears throat> about the title of this message so, that she wrote for me. No, she didn't. So y'all are going to have to have some grace with me. You guys willing to do that? Okay. Because the title has to do with a, a TV show, okay? So that's where you're going to have to have some grace with me. Now, I had the title first, and then I realized, oh, that's part of the TV show. So there's a show out there called The Mandalorian, okay? And so you may not be a Star Wars fan. I'm not a Star Wars fan. May or may not own two lightsabers. If you ask if they're real, it's not a real thing, okay? They're not real lightsabers, but they're real. They're real. I may or may, have, may or may not have two lightsabers, may or may not have tried to use the force on a couple of occasions. <laughs> Becca, you will make me a sandwich. <laughs> Has not worked yet. <laughs> but the, the Mandalorians, uh, they say one thing, and I've only seen a little bit, or may or may not have seen a little bit. So two things. Have grace with me that I may or may not have seen a little bit of it. And secondly, don't tell me any spoilers. 
because I haven't seen all of it, okay? Or may or may not see it. But the Mandalorian has a, a really cool helmet and, and gear and jetpack and guns and all kinds of cool stuff. And, uh, and if you, the Mandalorian, to be a Mandalorian, you have to follow certain rules. And you can't take your helmet off in front of other people. This is fictional. Okay, this is not real. You can't take your helmet off in front of other people. And because you, when someone looks at you, they always have to see what you are. You have to, they have to see that you're a Mandalorian. You have to be a Mandalorian in front of everybody at all times. So you can't take that off. And if you ask him, well, why can't I see your face? He will say, this is the way. This is the way. So that's the title of the message. This is the way. I had the title first. I really did. And then I remembered, well, maybe, maybe I got it from somewhere else. <laughs> or may have not have. So, but there is a way. This is the way. I'm an HVAC technician. If you want to be an HVAC technician, there's a way to do that. If you want to be the world's first non-boring accountant, there is not a way to do that. <laughs> but there is a way to be an accountant. If you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, there's a specific way that you have to do to, to, do, to go in order to be that. If you want to be 007, you may have been born in the wrong country, but there's probably a way. But if you want eternal life, if you want heaven, there's a way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you want eternal life, if you want salvation, if you want to be born again, then there's a way. There's one way. And if you want to try to get to heaven through any other good works, through baptism, through some other God, then it's the wrong way. Jesus is the right way, and Jesus is the only way. See, if, if there's a right way to do something, then there's a wrong way. Proverbs 16.25, the Bible says, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Because if it's not God's way, it's the wrong way. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Just so you know, his way is better than our way. His thoughts are better than our thoughts. There is happiness in his way. There is joyfulness in his way. There is less heartache caused by sin in his way. There is surety in his way. There is a firm foundation in his way. There is prosperity. There is fruit. There is wisdom. There is knowledge in his way. There's not those things in the wrong way. There's fear, there's loneliness, there's bitterness, there's regression, there's scorn, there's death in the wrong way. In Psalms chapter 1, we see a man. We see a man who was blessed. We see a man who's going the right way. If you look at verse 6, he's going in the way of the righteous. So this morning, 
Are you going the right way? Are you going the right way? Because this is the way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to be in your house. God, the opportunity to have your word open and, and, and your words preached out this morning, Father. The opportunity for you to work in our lives and God to speak to us this morning. What, what good singing, Lord, how important those songs are and how important music is when it's used the right way. And dear Father, I pray that you be with the preaching this morning. God, that you put me behind the cross, that you would be lifted up this morning. God, people don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. So I pray, Lord, that your presence would be strong this morning, that you'd speak to your people, that you'd be a help. And, Father, if there's any of us that are going the wrong way, Lord, that we turn around. Turn around and go the right way, your way. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So this man, this man is blessed. If you look at that in the very, very first thing, blessed is the man. This man is blessed. This man is happy. This man is joyful. This man is going the right way. He's blessed now. Blessed is this man. A lot of people are looking for the blessing of God in their life. They're looking and want God's blessing. This man has it. And this man has it because he did things a certain way or didn't do things a certain way. So we're going to look at this man this morning. We're going to look how this man was prudent in his goings. We're going to look at this man, how, where he was planted in God's word. And we're going to look at, at this man on how prosperous he was. So I just gave you my outline. So now I just got to throw a poem in there and we're good. Three <laughs> points in a poem. We're good. So this man was prudent. That's the first thing we're going to look at. This man was prudent. Growing up, uh, being prude was, was not a good thing. I went to public school. I grew up in public school. Being prude meant that you were too shy or too ashamed to, to hold a girl's hand or kiss her on the cheek or something like that in front of other people. Okay, I'm talking like kindergarten, okay? Uh, kindergarten, Becca doesn't know this. This is a love story that I've hidden from her. But in kindergarten, I shared a cubby. You guys remember cubbies? Cubbies are the best thing. I want a cubby. Cubbies were the best things. You shared cubbies. You came in from, from recess or wherever. You put your coats in your cubby, and you put things. You had a little place for them. But there was a gal that I shared a cubby with. Her name was Lindsay. See, I told you, love story. Never forgot her name. And she was my girlfriend for about three days until a guy named Cody came and stole her from me. I'm sure there would be Hallmark movies about that love story and all kinds of stuff. But that's, that's not what prudent means in the Bible. Prudent means to be cautious, to walk circumspectly, careful of the consequences. In the Bible, it always has to do with having wisdom, having knowledge, and having understanding of God's way. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 8, it says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. See, the prudent, this man was prudent because he understood his way. He understood the way he was going and the end result of where he was going. In Proverbs 22, verse 3, it says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The prudent man saw the wrong way and stayed on course in the right way. 
But what I want you to see, and this is where we might, might lose some of you. First thing we see is what this man, the first thing that's brought up about this man is what he didn't do. What he didn't do. I don't know if you know or not. People don't like being told what to do or what not to do. Quinn hates it. And we have to do it a lot. And Ellie, stop hitting. Stop crying. Stop hitting your brother. Stop scratching your brother. He didn't do everything to you. You're making some of this stuff up now. Christians don't like being told what to do either. We don't like being told what to do, and we start to shy away from those things that we're told not to do. And we shy away from those things because the world gives us kind of a badge of shame about that topic. The world likes to say things like, well, they're just trying to control my life with rules. That's all Christians ever try to do. That's all my parents ever try to do, is to control my life with things I can do and what I can't do. And we start to worry about people's feelings, and so we we start to shy away from those things. But God gets to make the rules. He's God. He gets to make the rules. And it shouldn't surprise us, Christian, it shouldn't surprise you that there's some things that we're not supposed to do. And we shouldn't shy away from those things that we're not supposed to do. I mean, it shouldn't surprise us. One of the very first things that God did after creation with Adam and Eve is he told them not to do something. That tree in the knowledge of good and evil, don't. It's one of the first things that God did. It was for their own good just as it is for ours. You know, if Quinn comes and asks, Dad, can I go play in the street? Sure, buddy. Just close your eyes and brace for impact. (laughs) No. No, you can't go play in the street. If Ellie asks me, Dad, can I play with the knives? Sure. Just throw your fingertips away when you're done with them. No, you can't play. No, you can't. We have rules for those things. It's going to be really hard for you to pick up grapes for the rest of your life. Now, a good parent's always going to show their child the way by telling them there's some things that we probably shouldn't do. Now, this man walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, meaning he shouldn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, counsel is, is advice, it's opinions, it's influence. And we talked about this this morning. There's so much access to the things of the world nowadays that the, the influence, the world's influence can get to us Faster, it seems. Last time I preached, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday, we like to watch the commercials. $84 million was spent on advertising alcohol alone. Only that. Showing you how good of a time it is to drink. Every one of them showing you how great of a time it is. Now, they spent $84 million because they're going to get a return on that investment. We just started doing some advertising for work for the first time in a, ever. We got a billboard. It's a terrible billboard, but it's a, it's a billboard. And the first thing my boss would always ask is, what's our ROI? What's our return on that investment? If we're going to spend that money to advertise, what are we going to get back? Now, they spent $84 million. They didn't do that just to throw it away. 
They got it because it, they're going to get a return on that investment. You say, well, that's, that's not for me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's exactly who it's for. It's not for those that already do it. They want to show you how good of a time it is. You, you need to take the edge off. You can't have a good time it is. Look how fun it is. Look how good-looking the people are that do it. Don't you want to be a good-looking person too? No, they don't show you the end result of it, do they? They don't show you the weeping mothers that, were, that their child was killed by a drunk driver. They don't, they don't show the man who wakes up in jail because he got drunk and punched somebody too hard for the last time. They don't show the throwing up, the hangovers, the bad decisions. Brother Justin, they don't, they don't show the stuff that you probably deal with on a pretty regular basis. They don't show you the consequences. They just want to show you their way. There was a man named Irving Berlin. He wrote songs like Putting on the Ritz and God Bless America. How many of you guys know that song? God Bless America. Okay. You should. I know you do. But he lived from 1888 to 1989, 101 years. And this man influenced a nation with what people call the second national anthem. It was before World War II, and that song helped get boys ready and enlisted for the, for the military. It, it raised the, the spirits of a nation. It influenced an entire nation for war. And this is what he said. He said, music is so important. He's right. Brother Nate, music's important, isn't it? Music is so important. It changes thinking. It influences everybody, whether they know it or not. Music knows no boundary lines. And he's exactly right. Music is so important. And music is such a great thing if it changes our thinking towards the Lord. I mean, you think about coming in here from a hard week of work. And we get two verses into that song, and I'm ready to go. It's changed my thinking. It's changed my attitude. It's changed me. It's influenced me in a good way. Music can be a great thing. A powerful thing. When it's used in the right way. But what a powerful thing. It can, can influence ourselves and our children and change our thinking in a different way. I mean, you think about being in a bad mood and a peppy song comes on the radio, how that can change your mood, can't it? But what happens when you listen to different music? What happens when you listen to depressing music? What happens when you listen to songs about drinking and partying, stuff that as Christians we, we would never do, but we'll listen to it? What about that influence? What about songs about running away with your boyfriend behind your parents' back. You think that's influenced some little gals to do that? It's harmless. But is it? Told you. Christians don't like being told what to do sometimes. And we'll get to it here in a second. But counsel, that influence, if it's not counseling us towards righteousness. It's counseling us towards unrighteousness. Now, the advertisement and the counsel of the ungodly, it is everywhere. There are billboards all over the street. Like I said, we just got one. 
It's a terrible one. There is an overweight guy, and he's bald. It's not me. But he's on the, you know, in the shower saying, do you want endless hot water? And it's, come on. It's terrible. We don't even like doing water stuff. I don't, we'd rather just change out your furnace. But it's there. There's billboards all over the street. Anything to make the phone ring is what my boss says, and honestly, it's working. Advertisement works. That's why it's done. We were trying to think, I was with Robbie in the car, and we were trying to think of, of different ways we could advertise for Robbie's framing business. So we were trying to come up with different jingles and things like that that he could use. But all the good ones are taken. So it was, it was Robbie's Framing Company. It's not the name of it, but that's what I call it. Robbie's Framing Company. It's more than good. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Robbie's Framing Company. Just do it. <laughs> Robbie's Framing Company. It's the happiest place in the world. <laughs> the, all, all the good ones are used. I thought of one, though. Yep. Robbie's Framing Company. We build skyscrapers because I am one. So you'd have to change your business plan a little bit to use it. But, but I thought it would work well. Now on social media, they're literally called influencers. That, that's what they do. That's what their job is, is to influence you to do things. They try to influence you to the way you look. The way you dress, the way you act, the way you think, the way you buy, the way you sell, the way you talk, the way you move, where you go and what you do. They're trying to influence you to take their way. Now let me tell you something. As a Christian, we are going to hear the counsel of the ungodly. It is everywhere. It is everywhere whether you like it or not. Most of us are attached to it on the hip. We're going to hear that counsel. Now, this man is blessed not because he never heard the counsel. He heard the counsel of the ungodly. He just chose not to walk in it. You're not wrong to hear the counsel. It will be screamed at you at times. But it is our job to try to limit it. We should be trying to limit it for our sake and our children's sake. Maybe something won't influence you, but there are little ears right there. No, the problem comes when that counsel starts to move our feet. When that counsel starts to direct our paths. That counsel is meant to direct you and direct your steps in a different way. I want you to think of the prodigal son. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I just saw there's just a, a picture of the prodigal son returning. And, and I, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, it just it made me tear up. Just thinking about that picture of, of the, the father coming back with open arms, or the son coming back and the father running to him with open arms. But that prodigal son, he, he took his inheritance. He wanted that inheritance for a specific reason. He wanted it now because he knew there was a place he could go to spend it. There was a place he could go to have a good time. So you don't think there was some influence in his life. He knew where to go to do those things. Proverbs 14, 15. The simple believe every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. When's the last time that you stopped and circumspectly look at the influence that's in your life? When's the last time that you've honestly looked well to your going? 
When's the last time that you compared the steps that you're taking to having the right spirit of God? I want to do the things that you want me to do. And God, I don't want to do the things that you don't want me to do. Is there a step that I'm taking that you don't want me to do? Now, the best thing about this is when, when, you're, when you're going the wrong way, especially in this, because what we're going to start to see is a little bit of a pattern in this verse, that it starts progressing a little bit. It starts to get a little bit worse. And as it gets worse, it gets harder to get back to the right way. No, if you've, if you've got counsel in your life that is not good counsel, the answer is to turn around and get some good counsel. To start walking in some godly counsel. To start having your feet move in the right direction. Now there's counsel in the word of God. Hearing the word of God preached. Being in the word of God. But there's counsel from your pastor. If you're in the youth group, there's counsel from the Wicklands. If you're in the, the Connect class, there's counsel from the Engbergs and the Feavis. There's good godly counsel. There's good men in this church. There are good godly ladies in this church who would love to give you a good way to go and show you the path that you should go. Give you good, godly counsel. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's what? Safety. Yep, there sure is. This man was prudent. But this man was also planted. This man was planted. Look, look at uh, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted. This man was planted. He is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. But first, we'll look at the, the thing he didn't do. The place he didn't plant himself. Are you guys liking the, do, the don'ts? Huh? It's not fun to be told not to do something, is it? Even when it's for our good. And we can get that spirit. God, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm my own man. No, there's a way that seems right unto a man. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now, sinners, it speaks to an association. Those that are at enmity with God. Enmity is, is the quality of being an enemy. Well, you talked about that a little bit. On Wednesday night, the opposite of friendship. Now, as Christians, we know we are all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know we have sinned. We have made mistakes. We have sinned. We are sinners. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about those who are not willing to submit themselves to the law of God. And it's talking about an association with them. They're in violation of God's law. They're going in their own way. They have a carnal mind. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, Romans 8 says. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It's being a friend to this world. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now this is not talking about you being a light shining in a dark world. This is talking about you being not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? We absolutely know as Christians that we are supposed to be a light in a dark world. That we are in this world even though we're not of this world. Am I correct? We know those things. But that's not what this is talking about. 
This is talking about that you have chose to stay in that darkness. That you chose to live in that darkness. That that's the place that you planted your feet. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. The way speaks to a place. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. We've talked about that, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that this world has. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Do anything that you want to do. We're going to see it in the book of Judges. When pastors going through Judges, we see it over and over again, the phrase that is just everywhere in that book. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It's not God's way. And it's not the way that God designed it or intended it to be. Speaking of that, there's a verse in the Bible. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. It's Proverbs 22.6. And we use this verse so many times to say for those children who have gone the wrong way who grew up in church, who got saved and chose to go out to the world and to stand in the way of sinners, that they'll come back when they're old. And that's not what that verse means. No, there's hope for them. There is hope for them. Fiavi, last time you preached, that's one thing that you said, and that's stuck with me for the couple weeks since you've preached. There is hope for them. There is grace, there is forgiveness, and there is restoration available for every single one of them. And there is a place for them to come back to. And just like that father with open arms, that's exactly how we should receive them when they do. But the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. He won't depart from it because he never left in the first place. That's God's design. That's what God wants for your life. Is that you don't leave in the first place. It is not God's design, young people, that you go out and get the scars and the baggage of the sin of this world and that you have to bear that for the rest of your life. That's not God's design. God's design is that you stick with it. And when you're old, you stayed with it. You don't have to go the way of sin. You don't have to stand in the way of sinners. It's the wrong way. And to stand means to remain, to endure, to be planted. To stand in the way of sinners means you become tolerant of sin. You've chosen to stay. You've chosen to be planted in this way. Now see, there's a progression from walking in the counsel of the ungodly, where the counsel of the ungodly has started to direct your steps and get you walking in a certain way. And it's going to lead you down a certain path that will lead you to where you stand in the way of sin. Do you see that? That if you listen to that counsel, it will guide your steps and it will bring you somewhere where you don't want to be. Second Peter chapter 2, verse six, verses 6 through 8, the Bible says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should live ungodly. 
and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. To vex is to tire down, exhaust, afflict with evils. And after choosing to be planted and to stand in the ways of sin, seeing it and hearing it every day, like it says Lot, around you and on you, sin starts to affect you less and less. You start to become desensitized to sin more and more. It will wear on you, it will change you, it will break you down, and it will keep you planted in the wrong way. Sin will always take you farther than you intended to go. But look at this man. This man was planted somewhere else. This man was planted somewhere else. His delight, the Bible says, was in the law of the Lord. His delight, his joy was right here in this book. And he's planted in this book. In his law doth he meditate day and night. This man shows his prudence because he wants this book in his life. He wants this, this book to be a light, a lamp unto my path. He wants to see where he's going so he can choose the right way. This man's blessed for it. Amen. You see that? He's blessed for being in this book. He's blessed for standing in this book. When you're planted somewhere, you're pretty immovable, aren't you? You ever tried to move a tree? You ever tried to just move? Oh, we had a big tree. It was a big, bigger tree, and we tried to get that thing down. And the hole, you're supposed to fill it a little bit with water, and it's about four feet deep, and then you're supposed to drop this big tree in there. We got a big tree because we wanted some shade, because little trees don't give any shade. Don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> but that tree weighed at least 400 pounds. At least 400 pounds with all that dirt on it, dropping it down in there. And we had one of them die. And I don't know how we're going to move it. <laughs> we can't get it out. But being planted like a tree by the rivers of water, meaning he's drinking from the living water daily. He's letting the living water of God saturate his life because he realizes it is life. He's blessed for it. Now some of us this morning, we might be planted in the wrong way. We might be standing in the way of sin. We might have sin in our lives that we are unwilling to give up. That the pleasures of sin, they last for a season. But you're still enjoying that season. There's a way that seemed right unto a man, but the, way, the end thereof are the ways of death. You may have become desensitized to sin. So this morning, you might need a transplant. You might need a transplant. You transplant something because it's in the wrong spot. If you're planted in sin, if you've got sin in your life and you are unwilling to give it up and unwilling to give God that part of your life, you are planted in the wrong spot. You are planted in the wrong spot. You are unwilling to give God and give this book any dominion in your life. Unwilling to open the pages of this book. You might need a transplant. And there's hope for you. There is hope for you. There is a spot for you. Right next to the rivers of water. 
But can I tell you, when, I, when I'm preaching this message, the only thing I could think of when I'm going through this is, is it just feels like a man who's standing there yelling at people saying, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And in the world, it seems like that's the case sometimes. We, we saw a picture this morning. There was a picture in Sunday school. There was a Pulitzer Prize winning, winning guy who, who took a picture of a, a, a famine that happened in Africa somewhere, the Sudan. Uh, that's not Africa, is it? Is it? Okay. Yep. See? Not cultured. And so he took a picture of that, and there it was a Pulitzer Prize winning picture of a child that was starving to death. And it was a little baby girl. And that picture, if you've seen it, had a vulture right behind that little girl. There's a vulture right behind that little girl waiting for that little girl to die. And that man who took that picture became pretty famous for taking that picture after winning that Pulitzer Prize. But people started to ask the question, what, what happened to that little girl? in your picture. And so the first thing he did was lie about it and say that he fed her. But when the truth actually was is he turned his back and just walked away. Turned his back and walked away. And thinking about that this morning, leaving people in that condition is wrong, isn't it? But when someone's living in sin, for us to not yell... You're going the wrong way. Because the end of the way that you're going is death. When we walk in the counsel of the ungodly, it'll bring you to a place where you stand in sin. And I wish I could be better about trying to explain how terrible that next step is. Because if you stay in that way long enough, if you stay in sin long enough, there's that very next thing in verse number one. Look at it. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The last point is this man was prosperous. This man was prosperous because he listened to the don't do's. He didn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, and he allowed godly counsel to direct his steps. He didn't stand in the way of sin. When there was sin in his life, he didn't choose to stay there. He got in his Bible. He planted himself by the rivers of living water. And he didn't sit in the seat of the scornful. He never let it get to that point. Instead, he brought forth fruit in his season. And his leaf didn't wither. And whatsoever he did, it prospered. Now, if you stay in the ways of sin long enough, if you stand there long enough, if you're planted there long enough, eventually you'll take that seat. And sitting in the seat of the scornful. Scornful is to hold extreme contempt against God. His workings and those who work in Him. It's thinking your way is higher than God's way and that you have a better way. The first thing about that is I want you to notice the seat. Notice the place. A seat in the Bible is typically used as a place of authority. 
This isn't just a scorner sitting down. This is a a seat designed for the scorner. It's a self-appointed seat of authority that he has. Romans 1.22 says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They think they know what's right, but they don't. But they're sure going to make it their business to teach everybody what they think is right. They're going to exalt that seat above the seat of God. And they'll try to correct God on what they think is right. Now, they're not going to say it that way. But that what they will say is, you know, drinking's okay. Fornication's fine. Adultery's fine. That, that's the way of the world nowadays. Haven't you, been, haven't you seen any show ever? That's what we do now. It's not a problem. Reminds me of, of, of the greatest scorner of all. Yea, hath God said. Did he really say that? Is that what God really said? Surely. Surely you won't die if you eat that. The position of this scorner is sitting. Being seated is a picture of inactivity because scorners don't do anything. They just make fun of the ones that do. They don't stand up. A scorner doesn't fight temptation. A scorner doesn't sing in church. A scorner doesn't read their Bible and pray. A scorner doesn't try to dress modest. A scorner doesn't try to win souls. Sounds like a bunch of don'ts, doesn't it? You know, with each one of these things, and I know that dressing modestly can hit hit a button with some people. It sure can. Some of these things can hit a button. But to have that right spirit of, God, I don't want to do the things that you don't want me to do. God, I want to do the things that you want me to do. That's the right attitude. That's the right way. God, you're bigger than me. Your way is better than my way. Your thoughts are better than my thoughts. If I need to change something about myself to be closer to you or to be more like you or to set a good example above this world, that's what I want to do because it's what you want me to do. So if you feel that building up inside of yourself, that's not a good thing. Scorner doesn't stand up for Christ. Scorner's not going to come down to the altar. They don't do anything but sit and scorn everyone else for doing those things. One of the best examples of scorners in the Bible besides the devil, it's my favorite example of a scorner, if you can have a favorite example of a scorner. In Nehemiah, there's Sambalat and Tobiah the Ammonite. When, when Nehemiah is building the wall, and, and it's these guys, and they say, well, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they build a wall in a day? And then the sickest burn in the Old Testament. Sickest burn ever. Even if a little fox goes up, he'll tear down that stone wall. Making fun of the people that actually are doing something. Something about the scorner. The Bible has nothing to say that's good about the scorner. Not a word. If you search Proverbs about the scorner, one of the main things talks about how hard it is to win a scorner back once you take that seat. 
He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. There's only one definitive way that the Bible says we can even deal with a scorner, and it's to cast him out. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. The one thing we start to think is that can't happen to me. And yes, it can. It starts small. It starts small. Just allowing ungodly influence in your life to start directing your steps. And it directs your steps to a place where you start to plant your feet. And it's in the ways of sin. And if you stay there long enough, you'll eventually take that seat. No, I've seen it. I've seen it happen in churches. I've seen it happen in youth groups. I've seen it happen in the lives of people that I looked up to who were godly influences in my life at one time. It's people who slowly chose the wrong way. This morning, this is the way. This is the way. And in closing, this man was prudent. Church, when's the last time you looked well to your going? When's the last time that you looked with prudence at the outcome of your path, of where you're heading, where your choices are taking you, where your feet are pointed? Are you going the right way? Are you letting things influence your attitude, your heart? What about your thought life? Maybe this morning you just need to course correct and take a step back. This man was planted. No, he was planted by the, by the rivers of water. He was planted in the word of God. Where are you planted this morning? Where are you planted? The Bible says he meditated in this day and night. This was his life. He was in this book. This book is what directed his steps. Where are you planted this morning? Is there sin in your life that you are just unwilling to give to God? Like Lot, are you planted in Sodom and Gomorrah where the ways of the sinner have vexed you and changed you? Maybe this morning you need a transplant. Maybe this morning you're willing to say, God, your way is better than my way. Your ways are much better than my way. And this man was prosperous. This man was prosperous. Is, is there any fruit in your life? Or have you been gone so long? Have you been gone so long in the ways of sin that your leaf is withered, that you're not prosperous? Are you in danger of taking that seat? You know, the Bible's pretty clear about trying to get people back who have taken that seat. It's almost a foolish endeavor to take. For me, anyway. For God, it's not too big. But there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This morning, let's bow our heads, be in an attitude and spirit of prayer. As the piano plays, I just got one question for you.
This morning, when's the last time that you honestly took a good hard look about where your path is going? This morning, is there sin in your life? Where are you standing? Now, is there an area of the, in your life that the Lord has pointed out this morning and said, whether it's the influence that's directing you away from God or whether sin you have planted yourself in, maybe something's affecting your attitude, affecting the way you think about God. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to get rid of, that you need to get direction on, that you need to get back in the right way. There is a way this morning. So this morning, I'm going to take some liberty to ask that question. How many of this morning would say with the uplifted hand, say, Brother Adam, there's some ways in my life where I am just not going the right way. And God has spoke to me about those things this morning. How many would raise your hand and say that this morning? Amen. You can put those hands down. Listen, if the Lord has talked to you, there is a way. There is a way. And that way starts with coming directly to him. Listen, the scorner wouldn't be caught dead here at this altar. Wouldn't be willing to change anything. So if I can scream one more time, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. With Christians who sit on that fence post, going out into the world, but still at church, I wish I could go in every one of those lives and pull them back on the right side. I do, but I can't. It's a step that you have to make. This morning, if God's talking to you, come as Brother Nate sings.